Due to the graphic nature of this story, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of sexual content, drug abuse, and death. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. In the fall of 2010, Vanity Fair journalist Nancy Jo Sales traveled to Vancouver. She had an exclusive interview with one of Hollywood's most controversial celebrities. Randy Quaid had starred in film since the 70s. He was best known for his role as Cousin Eddie in the National Lampoon's Vacation movies, and even earned himself an Oscar nomination. Yet, by the mid-2000s, he and his wife Evie had fallen on hard times. Sales met up with the Quaids outside a Chinese restaurant. Red neon lights illuminated their black Prius, which appeared to double as the couple's home. It overflowed with clothing, blankets, documents, barely giving their cattle dog, Doji, enough room to stretch its legs. The stench of cigars wafted from the vehicle as Randy and Evie emerged. Inside the diner, Randy climbed into a patent leather booth and confessed to sales. He and Evie hadn't eaten in a restaurant in a year and a half. According to the Quades, there was a good reason for that. They were on the run from a shadowy cabal. They insisted that a covert network was out to sabotage their reputation, take their money, and maybe even murder them. And they weren't the only victims. David Carradine, Heath Ledger, and Michael Jackson may have also been targets of this secret society, one the Quades referred to as the Hollywood Star Whackers. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our one-part episode about the Hollywood Star Whackers. According to Randy and Evie Quaid, this organization of entertainment power players, including lawyers, agents, accountants, and estate planners, conspired against them for decades. The Whacker's goal? Ruin celebrities' reputations, take their money, and leave them for dead. Today, we'll cover how the Quades unraveled the conspiracy and how their financial troubles and run-ins with the police could have been due to this shadowy cabal. First, we'll examine whether the Quades' funds really are in the crosshairs, Then we'll take a closer look at the deaths of Heath Ledger and other celebrities to see if they, too, were victims of Hollywood hitmen. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. 
I know for me in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd started to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. In November 2010, Randy and Evie Quaid made an appearance on Good Morning America. They hoped to expose one of Hollywood's darkest, most dangerous secrets. Tinseltown had its own mafia, one that extorted, then assassinated celebrities. Randy claimed this organization had hacked his cell phone, tracked his computer, and framed him for multiple crimes that he and Evie did not commit. Their finances were also targeted, making it difficult for the Quades to buy a house, rent a car, or even open a bank account. He said the Star Whackers had gained unshakable control over every facet of their lives. But enough was enough. They wanted their freedom. The interview was an insurance policy for the couple. If they ended up dead like Keith Ledger, Michael Jackson, or David Carradine, some of the Whackers' other alleged victims, then at least the world would know who was responsible. For the Quades, coming forward was an act of bravery 20 years in the making, because supposedly they'd been targeted ever since Randy and Evie first met. In 1988, then 38-year-old Randy Quaid was starring opposite Madonna in the film Bloodhounds of Broadway when he met a young production assistant. He and Evie, 24 and clad in cowboy boots, got close, seeing as her job was to drive him to set each day. Within a matter of weeks, Randy and Evie weren't just madly in love, they were engaged to be married. After their wedding, Evie went from a small-town girl to a Hollywood celebrity, practically overnight. This ascension to stardom came with shopping trips down Rodeo Drive and new friends in the Hollywood Hills. 
Over time, Evie became somewhat of a fashion icon, known for her impeccable taste and legendary garage sales. Meanwhile, Randy was starring in back-to-back films and making a million dollars a role. He even became the face of Miller Beer. According to Evie, their life was filled with private jets and exclusive parties. They were a bona fide power couple. And they seemed good together, too. An old friend of Randy's told Vanity Fair that Evie was a great influence on her husband. She taught him how to dress better, supported his career, and encouraged him to go after leading roles. But at the turn of the new millennium, many noticed that the couple began acting strange. Around the mid-2000s, the Quades had an altercation with their Beverly Hills neighbor, a talent manager named Sandy Gallen. Gallen wanted to expand his driveway, which required him to buy a piece of the Quades' land. Supposedly, the Quades agreed, and the deal was a go. Until Gallen learned that the couple was just renting the property and didn't have the right to sell. But according to Evie, this was all a lie. They never made any sort of deal with Gallen. In fact, she was certain he just wanted access to their mailbox. As she told it, this was all an effort to steal Randy's checks. And the circle of conspirators only expanded. In 2007, the Quades came to believe that Gallen wasn't the only one plotting against them. Randy had recently come off the film Brokeback Mountain, also starring Heath Ledger. He then took a starring role in the pre-Broadway production Lone Star Love. But Randy and Evie noticed some suspicious activity. The couple claimed producers were intentionally leaving things on stage, hoping Randy would trip over them. According to the Quades, if Randy was badly injured, they could claim the insurance money on the production. The couple thought the cast and crew were in on it as well and weren't afraid to make it known. At least 23 members of the production filed complaints to the Actors' Equity Union over Randy's behavior. They claimed he hit an actor in the back of the head multiple times and made sexually inappropriate comments to others on stage. They also took issue with Evie. Allegedly, she'd violated union rules by filming rehearsals. She also sent members of the production a picture of herself, naked on a bed, holding a gun. The thing is, Evie claimed the allegations were all despicable lies. So, when Actors' Equity fined Randy $81,572 and banned him for life for, quote, wreaking havoc on the show, the Quaid suspected that this was all part of a much larger conspiracy to ruin them financially. It didn't help that around the same time, a few celebrity friends of Randy's passed away, all of them unexpectedly, which was suspicious to the couple and some tabloids. In January 2006, Randy's friend Chris Penn, brother of Sean Penn, an actor in Reservoir Dogs, died of heart disease while on multiple medications. Two years later, Randy's former co-star Heath Ledger also passed away after an accidental overdose of prescription drugs. Then in June 2009, Kill Bill actor David Carradine was found dead in his Bangkok hotel room. 
Many people, including one of Carradine's ex-wives, insisted foul play was involved. Just after Carradine's death, Evie noticed that Randy no longer received his residuals, which were likely a significant portion of the couple's income. It was around this time that the Quades began connecting the supposed dots. Between the neighbor, the union accusations, and the missing checks, they were being targeted by the same people who killed their friends, a shadowy cabal they referred to as the Hollywood Star Whackers. They believed a dangerous organization of producers, estate planners, and lawyers were out to sabotage their lives. The Quades were certain that people like Mel Gibson, Britney Spears, and Lindsay Lohan were also at risk. According to them, the plan was to make these celebrities seem like drug abusers and out of sorts. So when they mysteriously wound up dead, the public would just assume it was suicide or an overdose. Because of this, Randy and Evie needed a break from the Hollywood scene. In 2009, the couple moved to Marfa, Texas for what they hoped would be a fresh start. They wanted to buy a ranch, settle down, maybe even open a Randy Quaid museum. But according to them, the Star Whackers weren't willing to let them slip away. In September of that year, Randy and Evie were on the interstate between the towns of Marfa and Alpine, Texas, when a deputy sheriff pulled them over. He had a warrant for their arrest. The couple was accused of defrauding the San Ysidro Ranch in Santa Barbara. The Quades visited the hotel that summer and, according to the innkeeper, racked up a bill of $10,000. Evie and Randy insisted that they never receive the bill because, of course, they claimed their mail was being stolen. That was just the tip of the iceberg. The Santa Barbara PD claimed that the Quades were guilty of several unpaid charges throughout California. Apparently, they owed a Beverly Hills Hotel $17,000, the Biltmore in Montecito $500, and the Knob Hill Hotel in San Francisco $55,000. Meanwhile, Evie maintained that they'd paid all of this in full. For the Quades, the tipping point came later that fall, when Evie claimed to hear the threats from the shadowy cabal themselves. One afternoon, Evie was on her cell phone when she says she heard a voice echo through the line. It was a man's voice who said, quote, If you kill her, there's a lot of money in it. It's not clear who the voice was speaking to or how it hacked into Evie's call. Either way, it terrified the couple. They were convinced that unless they went into hiding, one of them would turn up dead. So they came up with a plan. Flee the country and seek asylum in Canada. Coming up, a private investigator uncovers the truth. The I-5 Strangler, the Southside Dentist, the Berlin Butcher. Meet the many faces of evil in the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, take a journey through the origin, evolution, and madness of a real-life murderer, exploring the reasons why they lived to kill. Using extensive research and details you won't hear anywhere else, Serial Killers takes an in-depth look at the horrors beyond the headlines. 
With hundreds of episodes available to binge and new ones released weekly, get to know the killers, crimes, and cases that left an indelible stain on history. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Now back to our story. In 2010, Randy and Evie Quaid fled to Vancouver, Canada and begged for asylum. They stood before the Immigration and Refugee Board to say they were afraid for their lives. They said that eight of their close friends had died over the last few years, and if they stayed in the U.S., they'd be next. They believed a dangerous cabal of Hollywood star whackers was out to get them. Supposedly, this organization had already decimated both their reputation and their savings. By 2000, the Quades owed over half a million dollars to the government. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number one. The Hollywood star whackers had, in fact, targeted the Quades' finances and siphoned away their earnings. And it started in 1983, even before the couple met. That year, Randy played the character of Cousin Eddie in National Lampoon's Vacation. By this point, he'd had over a dozen films under his belt, had been nominated for an Oscar, and could have been on the path to becoming one of the greatest actors of his generation. But behind the scenes, a dark scheme was allegedly unfolding. The Quades later believed that this was when a Warner Brothers executive, Randy's estate planner and his lawyer, all part of the Starwhackers, opened a secret bank account to steal Randy's money. According to the Quades, this required an intricate plan. They claimed that these men used the identity of a deceased schoolteacher with a similar name, Rhonda L. Quaid, to open a city national bank trust account. Then they deposited Randy's checks and dipped into the account whenever they wanted cash. The couple eventually came to believe this was the reason they hadn't been receiving Randy's income. When the Quades uncovered the account in 2010, they say the trust held $7 million in cash, far more than your average school teacher could earn. They knew the money had to be Randy's. Vanity Fair reporter Nancy Jo Sales did some digging of her own. She did find a Santa Barbara resident named Rhonda L. Quaid, but the school teacher died in 2005, 22 years after the Quades said the account was opened in her name. And Sales also realized the trust contained far less than what the Quades claimed. There was only $1.5 million, not seven. This wasn't so hard to believe. Though Rhonda taught art, she'd been married to a successful medical inventor. But while the Quades' accusations didn't quite add up, their investigation revealed yet another issue. When Randy went to City National Bank to inquire about the fake account, 
he found that the paperwork to his million-dollar life insurance policy was also missing from his records. The Quades believe someone forged his signature and withdrew the cash without their knowledge. Apparently, this was just the first seed of the Wackers' plan, because in September 2010, the couple was arrested for a crime they said they couldn't possibly be guilty of, breaking and entering into their own home. In 1991, the Quades left Montecito, California to move to Beverly Hills. Supposedly, they sold their home to the same Warner Brothers executive that Randy later believed was behind the Rhonda L. Quaid scheme. But sometime around 2010, the Quades said a bank officer told them the house never actually sold, and the title was still under their name. According to the couple, they let their lawyers and accountants handle the sale, which is how they didn't realize the mishap. So Randy and Evie returned to the Montecito home to, quote, protect themselves in case there was any liability. When they got there, the house looked run down, abandoned even. The Quaid said their garden was long dead and old lawn furniture had been thrown into the bushes. So the couple stayed for the next few days in the guest house to fix everything up. And that's when they were arrested for squatting and residential burglary. It seemed the Quades didn't still own the house after all. Apparently, a representative for the property had gotten an alert that the security alarm was tripped. They came by to check on the property and noticed that the Quades were living in the guest house. When the police arrived, they found the place severely vandalized. The couple allegedly broke mirrors, carved their initials into the mailbox, even hung a huge portrait of themselves inside the home. There was reportedly up to $30,000 worth of damages. The residence actually belonged to the president of a production company named Lynette Tariki. When sales of Vanity Fair asked her for comment, she said, quote, all I did was buy a house. Apparently, this was a vacation home for Tariki, which explained her absence. She refused to entertain the outlandish conspiracies and even took out a restraining order against the Quades. Still, Randy and Evie were convinced that Tariki was part of the elaborate cabal of Star Whackers. They doubted her identity and claimed that the house was being used as a, quote, equity ATM, Another way to line the pockets of the shadowy organization. According to the sheriff's department, Tariki had the proper documentation to prove she was the rightful owner. And if she holds the deed to the house, the Quaid's theory falls apart. There's certainly a lot of evidence on Tariki's side. But one private investigator named Becky Altringer felt there was some legitimacy in some of Evie and Randy's other claims, at least at first. The Quades contacted Altringer in 2009. They told her that a few of Randy's former business associates had illegally taken out an insurance policy on his life. Now, they were trying to kill the couple to collect the funds. They explained how they'd lost several friends under mysterious circumstances over the last few years. Altringer thought it was at least worth a closer look. Altringer also took pity on the couple, who claimed they didn't know where to go to escape the so-called mob. So she allowed the Quades to rent her mobile home as a sort of hideout. 
Meanwhile, she dug deeper into the accusations they made about their financial team, but she found nothing to prove the fraudulent insurance policies, the fake bank accounts, or that someone was out to kill them. Instead, she realized that the problem might lie with Evie and Randy themselves. Altringer witnessed the couple's paranoia firsthand. One afternoon, 46-year-old Evie pointed to a few telephone towers on a nearby hill and insisted that they were put there to track them. Later, when Evie spotted a pair of firemen, she claimed they were keeping tabs on them as well. One morning, she told Altringer that the mob was outside the trailer with chainsaws and shovels. Altringer assured her it was just the gardeners. But the real kicker was when Altringer noticed Evie's excessive use of Demerol, a prescription pain pill she used to treat her migraines. According to the PI, Evie snorted the pills at least three times per day. Altringer worried that she was mentally unstable and her paranoia was rubbing off on Randy. Eventually, Altringer asked the couple to leave. While it seems they went without a fight, she said the Quades didn't pay her the money they owed. Ultimately, by 2010, Altringer filed three lawsuits against the Quades, amounting to over $15,000. According to Vanity Fair, these cases were eventually settled. Altringer isn't the only one who says the Quades skipped out on paying their tab. Their former business manager claimed the couple owed 50 grand, and they owed the IRS over $400,000. It's unclear if those debts have been settled. I don't doubt that the Quades do genuinely believe their lives are in danger, both economically and physically, but no one's found any validity to those claims. You know I love a good conspiracy, but in this case, it seems more likely that the Quades are in financial straits and looking for someone to blame while tarnishing innocent reputations in the process. With 10 being the absolute truth, I have to give this theory a two. I agree, but I've got to give it a one. Sure, the Quades can think that someone's taken their assets, but it appears far from fact. Seeking asylum in Canada could have just been a way for them to dodge their debts. Or perhaps, as Becky Altringer speculated, the Quaid's fears stem from mental health struggles. Though in 2010, when asked about the state of their mental health in a Good Morning America interview, the couple insisted they were mentally stable. If there is a shadowy cabal, I don't think the Quaid's are the target. But perhaps their paranoia is rooted in some truth. The so-called Hollywood star whackers might not have gone after Randy and Evie, but there have been a few celebrity deaths connected to the Quades that were suspicious. Or as one of actor David Carradine's ex-wives believes, downright homicidal. Coming up, a closer look at the demise of David Carradine and Heath Ledger. Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything, so you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. 
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now, back to our story. In 2010, Randy Quaid and his wife Evie fled to Canada because they believed a group of so-called Hollywood star whackers were after them. They thought the organization had damaged their reputation, taken their money, and now they were afraid they'd wind up dead. A private investigator named Becky Altringer revealed the Quaid's paranoia. She says she realized their theories of secret bank accounts and stolen assets were nothing more than delusions. But perhaps the Quaids believe this because they witnessed what happened to their friends. Actors like David Carradine, Heath Ledger, and Chris Pan all died under mysterious circumstances. Maybe their colleagues were killed off. In fact, some of the deceased's relatives think so. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number two. A secret Hollywood cabal has been murdering celebrities and framing it to look like accidental overdoses or suicide. Randy Quaid worked with fellow actor David Carradine on the 1980 film The Long Riders. Carradine became known for his skills in the martial arts, also starring in the hit series Kung Fu and the Kill Bill films. In the summer of 2009, the 72-year-old Carradine was shooting a movie in Bangkok when housekeeping found him dead in his hotel room. He was hanging inside of a closet. Carradine was naked, and some reports say his hands were tied behind his back. Investigators speculated that the event was accidental, perhaps a solo sex game gone wrong. Carradine's ex-wives agreed that David was experimental during sex, so the story seemed to add up. Ultimately, they didn't believe anyone else was involved. But his fourth wife, Marina Anderson, said that David didn't, quote, fly solo. Plus, binding his own hands behind him would be quite a challenge, so she was certain someone else was involved and that her ex-husband was murdered. And she wasn't the only one who was suspicious. A guest on Larry King Live stated, quote, David was very interested in investigating and disclosing secret societies. In response, Carradine's attorney suggested that this could be connected to, quote, foul play. Perhaps Carradine got too close to uncovering the Star Whackers or some other hitmen and became their next victim. I think it's more likely that this was just some bondage game gone wrong. It may be difficult to tie up your own hands, but it's not impossible. Another plausible scenario was that Carradine brought a partner up to his room. Things went awry and that person fled the scene. Heavy Quaid would probably disagree. She claims that the plan was to knock off Carradine to collect his life insurance. The same thing the Whackers planned to do with Randy. And according to her, Carradine wasn't the only celebrity that showed they could get away with murder. The year prior to Carradine's death, Randy Quaid lost another co-star and friend, actor Heath Ledger. 
Quaid appeared alongside Ledger in the 2005 film Brokeback Mountain, where they reportedly developed a friendship. On January 22, 2008, at around 2.45 p.m., Ledger's masseuse arrived at his New York City apartment for their usual appointment. The housekeeper let the massage therapist in and knocked on the actor's bedroom door, but there was no response. After opening Ledger's bedroom door, they found the actor face down, unconscious. But instead of calling 911, the masseuse made an odd choice. She phoned actress and fashion designer Mary-Kate Olson. Olson didn't call the paramedics either. Instead, she sent one of her bodyguards. Only after talking to Olson did the masseuse finally call an ambulance. Once the news hit the press, the whole scenario seemed suspicious. Many wondered if Olson gave Ledger some illegal drugs that caused his death. In response to these allegations, Olson's lawyer stated that his client, quote, had nothing whatsoever to do with the drugs found in Heath Ledger's home or his body, and she does not know where he obtained them. But the Quaid seemingly thought the delay in getting medical help was evidence of a larger conspiracy and an attempted cover-up. On February 6th, the medical examiner revealed Ledger's cause of death, and it wasn't a suicide. He had consumed a lethal, yet apparently prescribed, dosage of six different drugs, including anti-anxiety medications and painkillers. The combination affected the part of Ledger's brain that controls his breathing, causing him to die in his sleep. But according to ABC News medical editor, Dr. Tim Johnson, it's incredibly rare for any doctor to prescribe this combination of medications together. A trained physician should have known the dangers. Which could be seen as suspicious, especially because after the U.S. Attorney's Office and the DEA did some digging, they found at least some of the pills were prescribed by reputable doctors. Perhaps the star whackers extended beyond the world of financial planners and into the medical industry as well. But Ledger's family and friends knew that the actor had been struggling with insomnia and anxiety. At the time, Ledger was playing the Joker in The Dark Knight. Ledger himself called the character a, quote, psychopathic, mass-murdering, schizophrenic clown with zero empathy. So some speculated that the role was taxing on Ledger's mental wellness, though his family disputes this narrative. According to his father, his sister even warned him about his unhealthy cocktail of prescription medications. But Ledger insisted that he was okay and knew what he was doing. And unlike the Quaids, Ledger never reported anyone tampering with his bank accounts or defaming his reputation. In fact, Ledger was at the pinnacle of his career when he died. He even posthumously won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in The Dark Knight. If the plan was to first destroy his reputation, then the Whackers didn't follow protocol. But there's one final celebrity we should explore for evidence of this theory, one with a suspicious connection to the Quaids, and that's Michael Jackson. In June 2009, after overdosing on a powerful surgical anesthetic, the king of pop's heart gave out. Jackson's daughter Paris told Rolling Stone magazine that in the time leading up to his death, he thought people were after him. He said to her, quote, They're going to kill me one day. 
Unlike Ledger and Carradine, Jackson's family did have someone to blame. In 2011, Conrad Murray, the artist's personal physician, was convicted of involuntary manslaughter for providing the fatal overdose. Some people thought it was possible that he too may have been part of the Star Whackers. In fact, the Quaids noted that many of the same people who supposedly conspired against them also worked with Jackson. For example, the Quaid's estate planning firm also worked with the executors of the pop star's will. And the Quaid's former lawyer is the son of one of Michael Jackson's music attorneys. But as we uncovered before the break, the Quaid's theories have been disproven before. The private investigator found zero evidence these men were actively working to conspire against the Quaid's, or Michael Jackson for that matter. Chances are this overlap is just a coincidence. I agree. There are plenty of celebrities who died from drug-related incidents. Instead, it shines light on a much more immediate and pressing issue, how money can influence a doctor-patient relationship. Celebrities like Heath Ledger, Michael Jackson, even Brittany Murphy, whose death we've covered on the show before, may be able to persuade their doctors to overprescribe them medications simply because of their status. Some legal experts consider the issue a giant blind spot in Hollywood, and from the outside looking in, it can appear suspicious. But it's probably not coming from a deceitful place, which is why I have to give this theory a one. I think that's absolutely right. This issue is more similar to the opioid epidemic than an assassination plot. Even in the case of David Carradine, there's no evidence that a cabal was trying to discredit his reputation leading up to his death, and he didn't seem to suffer from the same paranoia as the Quaid's. I have to give this theory a two, and in reality, I think the whole thing could just be a bad marketing ploy for a film project. After seeking asylum in Canada, the Quaid's made a documentary about the alleged Hollywood star whackers. Supposedly, they tried to pitch it as a reality TV show, but neither the series nor the film ever took off, probably because there was a real dearth of material, seeing as those Hollywood hitmen likely don't exist. On October 9th, 2015, after five years of hiding in Canada, the Quaids were arrested trying to cross back over the American border, although they didn't really have an option. They'd lost their bid for permanent residency and were set to be deported just a few days later. They were taken into custody in Vermont, where the Superior Court judge ultimately dismissed the fugitive charges. Despite being on shaky legal ground, the Quaids haven't dropped their conspiracy-minded ways, while they have been less vocal about the idea that star whackers are out to get them, Randy did publicly share his belief that the 2020 election was rigged. The Quaids might believe they were victims of the Hollywood star whackers, but maybe they were actually victims of Hollywood itself. The taste of fame and fortune can be a toxic elixir, one that can make you distrustful, paranoid, deceitful. The question is, do the Quaids actually believe their own story? Or do they have us right where they want us? As we're all too aware, everyone loves a good conspiracy theory.
Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll be back next time with a new episode. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Lori Gottlieb, with writing assistance by Ben Caro and Mackenzie Moore. Fact-checking by Anya Barely, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. Their names have become larger than life. Their crimes, some of the most heinous in history. Their stories, examined each week on the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, journey past the headlines and into the minds and motives of the murderers who forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify.